Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Starbucks. Starbucks is good, but I don't drink it. I cut out coffee. I heard I should so I did. I like telling people I cut out coffee. It gives me more joy than actually drinking a cup of coffee. Yo, you are listening to the Anecdotal Experience Podcast for the first time, maybe, I don't know, could be the second time. I hope it's your second time, because that's me, that's, that's means that you came back to listen. You liked the first one. Today's guest is Samuk Tregalkar. We talk about a lot of stuff, talk about, um, we talk about stand-up comedy for a bit at the beginning. I hope you, I mean, and but it's it's accessible to everyone. I'm not a stand comedian, but I liked talking about it. It's uh, it's we. If there's anything that you don't understand, we explain it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna learn something. Uh, but yeah, then we um, we digress into some other stuff that's accessible for everyone. We talk about talk about improv a little bit and we talk about um just life and how you how you experience it how you make a good use of your time i like this podcast and i love you let's do this with some yeah i know i know what you're saying though i that was that was one thing to me was a a realization i had that like oh i don't love comedy i don't love stand-up what but what was the realization? Okay, the realization, that? I mean, it wasn't even like that was my moment or anything, but I knew I didn't like love it as much as a lot of people because there were there were guys like in Cincinnati that would drive like to Chicago to do like 10 minutes, if that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and like, for, I don't know, maybe some money, I don't know. But they know there's a show in Chicago, they drive whatever that is, like four hours or something like that. Right. And... I was like, oh, absolutely not. Even like going to Toledo and like getting back at like 1 a.m. or maybe something like that. I was still like, no, I don't want to. You know, like I didn't. And those guys liked doing it that much. So they're like, yeah, an opportunity. I will take it. Right. Not paid. Don't care. I will. And I, I don't know. To me, I was like, oh, I don't like it that much. Yeah. It just depends on what the value of it is. Yeah. Because, and I, now I'm so far into it that maybe my mindset has changed too. Yeah. Where you do it long enough and you start to create your own standards of what you're, you want to be doing. So you go, well, no, I wouldn't take that gig or that opportunity. Yes. So early on, maybe I was willing to do some of those things and I just don't remember it. But I do think... And what we were kind of talking before you started recording is I think things change where I've heard about stuff where clubs don't pay hosts. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. Like that was just not an acceptable concept when I started. That was what you were working towards when you started was the idea that a club would want you to host and that you would be paid that weekend and that's when you felt you were a professional comedian. That's the way it was for me. Okay. I go bananas. Explain it to, explain that kind of cycle when you get to be a host uh, to people that don't know it. 
Like so, the cycle is you start off just hitting open mics, building an act, getting you know that first five to seven minutes that are really good, and then you're kind of foot into the door of comedy clubs or of anything show wise is to host a show, right? Because that person up top only does a few minutes of material, make the crowd laugh, get them going. And there's an art to that, too. There's a skill to it that you're learning and is a nice thing to learn up front. And, you know, you learn how to say announcements to the crowd or whatever. Yeah. And it's a skill you just keep getting better at. But that's kind of the first thing you have to do because it's related to the amount of time you can do. You can't just go up and do 45 minutes right. a year into doing comedy. I mean, there's people that think they that can. Try. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's awful if they do. So that's, that for me was my indication of, hey, I'm a professional comedian now because this comedy club was willing to have me host. I right. did it. It was successful. And they paid me at the end of it. Now there's, and then there were still clubs back then that treated hosting like, hey, the owner's going to host or, right. hey, someone, you know, sign up for our mailing list and maybe we'll pick you out and you could host this right. week. Like weird crap like, like there's that. No, uh, there's no respect right. for the position of host. Right. Yeah. But most clubs did respect it enough to obviously pay that spot. Right. And in certain cases, I mean, my home club, the Columbus Funny Bone, the hosts were like 20-year vets, yeah. you know, who had a real hold on it, like, that's why my foot in the door there took a lot longer because I was kind of leapfrogging to getting guest spots and feature spots there. Yeah. More than hosting because they valued that spot so much. And oh, they really? wanted yeah, and they wanted their host to do crowd work up front, which you're just not good at when you're new. You know, you really? gotta so get into that. Feature we can take these off. My the thing's not even like, oh, okay. plugged in. But yeah, yeah, I mean we're close enough to the mic and it works. Yeah, sure. Um, so they took it, they took it that like seriously, almost like host was a, like a, just a different position than feature F feature being explain what feature is. You're the, you're the comic. Sure. It's just the person after the host who does, you know, in the structure of a show, it's host does like 10 minutes, right. warms up the crowd. The feature will do 25 to 30 minutes. And then the headliner who presumably people came to see does like 45 or beyond, if, I guess, if they want to. In so, usual progression, you're going, you host, right. and then the, you feature. Yeah, who knows now? Yeah, who knows you know, now? Because everything's changed. But yeah, that was the way you built yourself as a stand-up comedian was, yeah. you know, you kind of went through this structure and this process to, to ultimately get to that point. Okay. But, right, what was weird in Columbus unlike Cincinnati was and I didn't understand this until later when it was explained to me in getting to know the club better and the bookers there and everything was they liked having someone strong up front hosting and they wanted the host to be able to do crowd work with the crowd Got birthdays it. anniversaries all the stuff go bananas loathes right like the exact opposite you know yeah um, and so that's fine. I mean, it's just a different philosophy on how hosting works. Right. But that's a tough thing up front for our scene where we were trying to get our foot in the door there and 
you know, it's just like, well, no, you you don't have enough experience to be because the role is different. They right. want you to be like a real host, being like, "What's going on over here?" Right. We're at we're at the funny bone and be more right, uh, like improvisation. You know, yeah, uh, which is a, a tough skill that takes a lot of time to get good at. Right. Being let like alone funny. You're you know a younger comedian right who's working like the indie rooms of Columbus for the most part right and now it's like here's the suburban mall. club where you've got a kind of appeal to everyone outside of the downtown columbus not cool people (laughs) maybe i wouldn't put it that way but you know you're getting such a diverse mix of other people that are not artsy people that come to downtown (laughs) yeah that come to that would normally come to our indie shows you know so it's a different vibe and that's what some comedians in the town struggled with because it's like look they're not gonna get these references to certain things right. here, you've got to tailor it so it's it has more reach. Yeah, broad appeal. Right. Yeah, dude, that's one thing that I've been... I, I think and, it's... And on a side note, like I've always just been bad at birthdays and anniversaries because I'm not even excited by my own. Right. And that really shows through. Yeah. Like now I know how to host that works well for what my style is and is still pleasant. But yeah. does that translate well to what my home club wanted? I don't really think so. Like, I'll be better at it now because I've done this long enough. Right. But even then, I don't really want to know people's birthdays. You're not or, a happy birthday guy. No. I'm not even that. I don't expect that of people for me when it is my birthday. So yeah. how can I then convey my excitement towards a complete stranger's birthday? Right. Or even mess around with them about it. And it's also... I've never liked it because clearly, okay, it's your birthday. You're probably getting drunk or the people around you are getting drunk. Right. So why is that? Like, you're the exact opposite of who we want to interact with at the show. Because we don't want drunk people yelling. Yeah, even like celebrations. It's like, it's, um, I mean, comedy clubs are a weird thing because it's like a place where people go for like a bachelor party or a birthday. But it's like, you know, this isn't a place to celebrate like a loved one. Right. This is like someone doing. It's like going to theater for your birthday. Right. But they want that ho- they exp- the cl- like Columbus Funny Bone host experience to be like, you. Let's make this is about you for the next ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right up front. Right. I don't. I, yeah. Like I said, it's a different philosophy that most comedians don't want to do. Right. Um. And doesn't. You know, people. Some people come out for those reasons and they get it because they like comedy and they've been to a show before and they understand it. Some people are just like, hey, this seems like the fun thing to do tonight. Yes. Especially when it comes to the bachelorette parties or bachelor parties because it seems like, like I remember being at Go Bananas and the bachelorette party and the bachelor party were at the club. Right. So it's so clear that both the bride and groom did oh. not want the other to be doing like crazy stuff for theirs. Oh. So they just merged it together and were like, Hey, comedy seems like a fun thing. That's like cleanish. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to strip clubs. Yeah. Nobody's going to cheat on the other one at this comedy club. Right. Like, so I think but that's just in case we the, better go to the same one. <laughs> right. I think that's kind of the weird angle people take with it. Yeah. And some people are great. 
and it's fine. And then obviously some people are just too drunk out of their minds that this isn't helpful. Yeah, it's like an adult entertainment thing that nobody's going to have sex with someone. <laughs> right. That they're not yes. supposed to. We can still come here and drink. Yeah. And it still is fun because it's comedy, but they don't get that it's still a performance. Right. That's not a strip club or not some performance they can now just be involved in or have the attention, you know, on them. Yeah, it's it is weird. It is weird yeah. that there's like this, um, and it's a, a weird decision because like the bachelorette party, in its concept, should be about the bachelorette. It's her night, right? Right. And then they've decided to infiltrate when it's clearly someone else's night, right? Of performance. Well, I think the way people are used to it in like sitcoms and stuff, even in like Seinfeld, he does crowd work. Yeah. And I think what people, they don't, what they imagine in their heads is this thing where it's like the Columbus Funny Bone host. Like, oh, we're going to take Tina to the bat, to the Bachelor Club, <laughs> to the comedy club, and then we're going to tell him that it's her bachelor party, and then the guy's going to, like, make it, he's going to make fun of her, and that's what's, like, in their head, they're thinking this. They're thinking, yeah, this is what happens at comedy clubs. Right. They get, we get Probably. involved. I don't know what people think. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what their intentions are in coming to comedy, but that's what I've gauged over my time of this whole bachelor party, bachelorette party. Yeah. Or even birthday thing. It's right. Kind of like, here's a positive thing that we can go out to. And we're doing something and we can drink at it and right. eat. And then continue our night doing whatever after. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'll i say this. I think it is a part of it. Like, I think at a comedy club, and I think there's this disconnect between comedians and, like, what people's expectations of a comedy club is. I think, in my experience, when I did comedy in Cincinnati, there was this, nobody had that or hardly anyone had that idea of, hey, maybe I should be a little more like a Columbus Funny Bone host and engage with the crowd a little more, like actually do crowd work or be more comfortable when people are a little rowdy. Instead, it was like, well, I've written these jokes and my jokes are so amazing and people need to shut the fuck up and listen to my awesome jokes. Right. Rather than be like, I'm just, I'm gonna kind of wing the fact that anything could go, and you know what I mean? Like, be more, I'm going to engage with the crowd a little more because people are expecting it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what people are expecting. See, I think it's part of it is what is the culture of your club that you want it to be, right? right? So in Cincinnati, if every show, any weekend you come there never involves the host, doing crowd work or asking birthdays and anniversaries up right. front, then the crowds can be like, that has nothing to do with this place. Right. So it's pretty easy to establish that and keep that going. And that has nothing to do with it. When someone's been once. Right. And they've if already they've, been. But yeah. if they've never been, they're still, they're, they still, the rules are there, right? Yeah. Maybe they won't get it and they're going to get yelled at or yeah, talked to. Out, yeah. But if you don't offer it to them, they're not going to just start being like, 
why isn't the comedian talking to us? Right. You know, they're not going to just make that leap or start screaming something yeah. out of nowhere unless they are just out of their mind right. for whatever reason. Yeah. So, but the the flip is like when you are where I started at the Columbus Funny Bone, it was every show of every weekend, the host is always starting out right. with birthdays and anniversaries. So, yeah, now you've brought that on anybody who comes to and the club. And expect it. Right, and then yeah. now nope, somebody who's maybe this is their first comedy show ever now does believe, oh, that's what happens. Yeah. So it's fine either way, but... I mean, personally, I just, but that's just me and my, I'm a comedian and my interest in comedy and most comedians don't like doing that or like having it right. as a part of the show. And Why do you I feel the same is? way because it does crowd work's a strange thing, right? Yeah. Crowd work to me will always crowd work for people who don't know. Crowd work is like talking to the audience and making fun of them. Uh, improv. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. And improv will always do better if you're good at it yes. than a written out joke. Right, because it's in the moment. Right. Yeah. And people are always pretty impressed by that and mm-hmm. and like it. And some people do just like being talked to. And I don't know. There's something about it where the pop is much bigger. And yeah. so for especially, you know, there was... There's that kind of unspoken rule of if you're a feature, don't do a bunch of crowd work because the headliner still has to follow you. Which is, yes, because what's weird about that statement, though, mm-hmm. is it's it's almost like saying, don't be too funny. Don't let the crowd have too good of a time. Right. Fuck you if they're really enjoying themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't care if i'm in the right. headliner spot it doesn't matter to me it's yeah. my job to be good handle whatever yeah, yeah keep it going and do well but i understand why the rule exists because it is a lot easier not easier if you're just really good at crowd work it has a much bigger punch right than just doing your jokes you've written out yeah um and if if you're doing like if your whole act was crowd work out of the feature spot then it's like okay that's that's a lot to handle right to then have the crowd now be like you basically just did an improv show that went really well right and now the headliner is like i'm gonna now just tell these jokes i've written yeah it's a whole different vibe to deal with Right, that will now. be really hard to to get to that level that the feature because the feature already has the sweet spot of the show. Yeah. So if they really crush it, just doing crowd work. So I get I get the point of it. Right. But personally, if I've ever headlined, I've never cared what happened in front of me. Right. As long as the person wasn't a dick to me. Wasn't and, like making fun of you or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Either on or off stage. Yeah. And they just, you know, do do what you want to do. I don't care how dirty you are. As long as it's funny. Right. I don't care what you're doing. It's fine. And I've had friends of mine open for me who did a bunch of crowd work. And yeah. I don't care. It's fine. If anything, I'll bring it up on stage that 
Yeah. You did a lot of crowd work and you buried me. Yeah, just be in the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's funny fun. if you're like, well, I'm like, you're going to be disappointed because this show's not about you. Yeah. You thought it was. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to handle it than to say, oh, you, I don't know. I, I don't, as a comedian myself, I don't want to make rules of the other people that are on my show. Right. Um, but... I mean, it would just have to be completely outlandish for me to be angry about it. Right. I'd like, be more angry if you just did terrible comedy. Yeah. You know, than if you do crowd work and it goes really well. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, if you're funny and getting laughs, I don't really care how you did it. Right. You just made the show better. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I notice that sometimes, though, where I'm like, man, people don't. People get upset if someone does crowd work or they're like discredit their their ability if it's crowd work, which I mean, it comes out as like sour grapes because in my head, I think that's really a skill that's a huge part of it. And like being able to do that is if you want to be like a working comedian, just from what I've seen in clubs and stuff, I'm like, dude. The really great comedians, especially now, know how to just be themselves, and that is funny on a stage. Like, things go awry, they just kind of, like, have that instinct. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people kind of... Because I, I, I've been doing improv lately, yeah, um, and I've preferred it, and I prefer watching it, too, because I like the spontaneity. Mm. And I think people... I think live people like that. I mean, we just said it like people like that improvisation and they're more forgiving of it, you know, um, with stand up, it's like, Oh, you had, you had all month to work on these jokes and this is what you got. <laughs> like people are, the people, have these very high expectations. Do you think like so? Audience members? Yeah, dude. Uh, they're more forgiving of improv. Yeah, they probably are. But when improv is bad, it's really bad. As opposed to, like, when stand-up's bad, it's bad, but you're just watching one person. When it's improv, it's multiple people. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before. To me, it was like, okay, if I watch a stand-up eat it, that's like just watching one person die. Okay. But watching an improv group is like multiple people. (laughs) Yeah, multiple people just dying in front of me no chemistry nothing's funny like i've watched okay. some bad improv and it, it you know happened for 15 to 20 minutes right and it's just the silence is deafening and how uncomfortable the audience is is not because how uncomfortable an audience is in stand-up can be funny right because it's just so funny to watch someone die on their own and they can address while the it audience is just kind of like squirming yeah um because they can address it like because it's not this like you're not doing a scene right they can be like oh boy and like pull their collar yeah or they they don't even have to be they could they could be so delusional they you know at open mics they think what they're doing is great on their own and now i'm laughing at how ridiculous this whole situation is yeah you've like removed yourself in another layer of like oh we're like laughing at the situation (laughs) not laughing at you right but with improv that doesn't work that way because they are so in some scene that you just are like oh it's just really bad that's me personally as an audience member and as a comedian 
But I would say like really yeah. good improv is probably way better than really good stand-up. And an audience like eats it up when it's really good. Right. And I think it's all like context. I think like small rooms improv crushes. Yeah. Small rooms, uh, like a large ensemble in a small room, no microphones, improv does better. But like improv on TV never worked. Never funny, you know? Like whose line? Ooh, short form actually. You're right. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, like short form works. But that's similar to stand up. Those guys are mic'd up. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're ready to go. They know what they're doing. I mean, they don't know what they're doing, but they know the games. They've right. like had that experience before. It's a little kind of similar to it's kind of similar to stand up, you know? Yeah. In that way. But yeah, it's all context, but I think Barrier to entry, like getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, I think improv's way more forgiving because people have far lower expectations. Mm-hmm. Like stand up is just so. I've had a couple dream. I haven't been. I don't like. I haven't done stand up like three months. Oh, really? um, but I, I've been having like dreams lately of me doing it and like someone saying like, "Oh, you want to do like a guest spot or something?" And then I do it and I just like bomb mm-hmm. and it's like it reminds me just that feeling of like doing stand-up where you're doing your jokes and they're just to nothing mm-hmm. to no laughter and you can't even like ref you can't even like pull out of it just that like hope i don't like hopelessness mm-hmm. you know when you're just like i don't know i've had that so many times doing stand-up where i'm just like fuck this is insurmountable Hmm. you know yeah i it's just it's especially with just small open micy crowds i guess is really what i'm speaking to but yeah and i don't i don't mind that at this point but i've done it for a really long time right i think my comfort level with it is i don't really care and when i'm doing those shows i'm usually working on new stuff and right kind of like whatever i'm here for a reason and yeah it's, it's whatever it only, I don't mind eating it if it happens, but right. the the circumstances of that are always a little, uh, like I, now I'm at a point where I definitely, like the weird stuff is corporate stuff. Yeah. Because I'm getting paid well. Right. And sometimes we're like, I don't know if that they liked that. You know, it got laughs, but it wasn't like huge right and i get self-conscious i'm like these people paid me a good amount of money to be here and then but afterwards everybody's so positive and it goes well yeah but that's where i get weird because i'm like this is i'm a professional getting paid to do this and i get weird like did i fulfill that to the amount they paid me that's what i'm more worried about now right as opposed to i could care less about like i'm here working on new stuff i don't care if this crowd doesn't care ah. it's more now actually like i'm paid to do this and if these people had a bad time then right <laughs> you want to apologize to the booker and be like hey i'm thank you but i wish it would have been you know what i mean you want to go up to them and say like i'm book me again but yeah. please don't well, think of that was, you know what I mean? Cause but like corporate people just, they're not going to like belly laugh at. Yeah. It's shit, always you know? still 
it's always still good. Like right. no, but when you're up there on stage and you know what something can do in a different environment, right? You're kind of going, well, did that go well? Like I can't gauge that, right? For what the situation is, or knowing that I'm their entertainment for this party or whatever, and they paid me to be here. It's those. It's just. It's just a different mindset. I'm still fine with it in the yeah. end. But it's a different thing of like, this is a job and you want to do your job well. Right. And for me, I'll feel like, I don't know, did I do it well enough for what I'm paid to be here to do? Right. That's more when I get feel like the way you probably feel there. But like eating it in general right. in environments, I'm just like, I don't care. Right, and I'm not especially at mics or whatever. Yeah, and I'm not speaking like toward my well, somewhat toward my like psyche and my ego, but like mainly just the unpleasantness of the actual moment of being on the stage to silence was something where I was kind of like, you know, I would rather do a different thing with my You'd time. Rather be with five other people on stage exactly. to silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what i don't even you know at least you can if i had like an improv team uh-huh. like an ensemble so people, you don't yet no okay no um but i mean i'd like do jams and stuff like that but are they like so you're taking classes right so as part of the classes do they kind of set you up like are you building towards having a team i guess right. with some yeah, of the people you're in class with right that's okay. like the idea is you like go through the whole thing and then okay. you like have a team you have a spot every whatever thursday or something like that um that's how most of the- but what if you don't like these people it, it's not necessarily those people oh okay it's whoever you like decide because okay. you kind of make your own team okay but yeah not necessarily with the class you're in yeah because um, i've watched improv where, you know, it's like six people. Yeah. And you can see the two people that are really good. Right. And then the four people that are just kind of, uh, you're kind of like bringing down. Like, it's weird. You know, you can it see, is. you can tell the talented people. Yes. And you go, you would be so much more accentuated if you had four other people that were as funny or better than you. You know what? Actually, you, I completely agree with that. And you know what? That makes me redact my last statement and think maybe you do end up in a team with the class you graduated with okay because there was so i've like taken a lot of classes in the past but like most recently i took a class at io and i we'd like after class we just go to the show and there there was one team in particular i'm not gonna say their name but these two it was a man it was a like like a like a big like a big black dude who was crushing every scene and then this um and then like this white girl like it was like a really eclectic group of people but these two i think it might have been just like the i mean honestly like the eclecticness of the group but these two together whenever they were in a scene or even a scene by themselves it was just like yo this is your team yeah the other ones, they do a scene and be kind of like, I don't even know what's really going on here. But when one of those would enter, like it would, they'd figure it out and save it. So you're right. I don't know. Cause I went like, I've been like the people I was in class with, like 
some of them I'd like was like, yeah, we could, we got a good dynamic here. Some of them would be like, no, like I can't like, it's like playing tennis with someone that sucks. Right. So or yeah. I'd say like basketball. Yeah. If you got like one superstar. Right. But if you got four scrubs. Yeah. Then it's just not going to work. You can't play. Right. Yeah. I guess it'd be okay. It's, this is what I was going to say. Imagine being on stage. So, all right. I'm eating shit all the time. Right. Uh, by myself. So if I like, if I had like my best friend, my best friend's really funny. So if it was me and him on stage, if we just had like a two man improv troupe mm-hmm. and we're eating shit, there's still that like what we're doing, we both think is funny. So it's still kind of a moment between us where we are like being our authentic selves and failing together. Mm-hmm. And there's that solidarity and camaraderie. Okay. That could be at least the moment where you could be like later in life, be like, dude, we both ate shit simultaneously. And it was kind of awesome. Right. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, that's even, I get, I don't know. I, so you, you could at least talk after you were done. Right. Like we can at least, Yikes. Like, yeah, yeah. We can at least bond over what happened here. Right. And yeah, I get it. I don't know. I did improv once. Okay. Like we, it was so weird, but it was fun. But basically, we learned improv. It was mostly stand-ups, which is already a huge problem. Where did you do this? In Columbus. In Columbus? Like a, okay. Yeah, okay. this... I don't even know what exactly prompted this. But okay. We, we decided to do a show in part with this venue, and the guy who put the shows together... It's like, hey, why don't the five of you do improv? And um, this person who knew improv, did it well, taught us in the lead up to the show. It was just wild that we had no improv experience and he booked a show where he's like, let's have stand-ups do improv. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So we agreed to do it. Yeah, it's weird. But yeah, and one of the things our teacher, she really emphasized was all of you are so used to being the ones that have to make the crowd laugh because right. we're stand-ups. Yeah. And that's not what improv's about at all. So it was really hard to get all these stand-ups to rewire their brains yeah. to be like, no, continue the scene. Not everyone grab for punchlines right. in the scene. So it was just, it was fine. It went okay. Yeah. But again, what what's entailed with my personality is not improv like again i don't i can't even get excited for someone's birthday right so how can i be super excited to be like hey you're all here for the show give me suggestions yeah blah, blah. it just didn't mesh well with what my personality was but i have a a great respect for improv and that format and like i said when it's done really well it's fantastic yeah but there are things even as an audience member that i observe like i said it's got to be really difficult to just find people that you click with yeah. and that are really funny too and that it works out really well. I mean, I remember when I came to visit here and I went to UCB and I mean, this group, I don't know how long they'd been together, but I was just floored. I'm like, these people are hilarious. Right. And, you know, there were particular people. I just was like, they're, these people are great. Yeah. And they are now on TV or whatever. Right. They got a show. Um, and, and even in Columbus, like there was a guy who 
trained in Second City and did stuff in Chicago. And then he came back for a little while and had a group. And it was so obvious. He was just like the best person in the group. Yeah, He was so funny. Um, And so it just kind of, it stands out to me. And then you go, well, your talent would be best suited with five others at your level. And then you, this room would explode, you know, and it's weird to think about that because then it's also along those lines. It's like you saw that Mike Birbiglia movie. Yeah. Uh, it's that same way, you know, any one of those people could have the opportunity to end up on that Saturday Night Live right. esque show. But, you know, if one of them, if any one of them you take and put with five other people who are not good is really like a Saturday Night Live show going to be like, oh, yeah, right. like that person's so good. It's a little bit more difficult when the team, I mean, it's again, like you bring it back to basketball, like you can criticize a superstar when the team's not good enough. Right. But it's like, well, if the four other people on the court are not good, then that's not really the superstar's fault. There's only so much you can bring out of four other people on your team. Yes, I think so. But I don't know. You know improv better than me. No, you're so. right. And the only way, the only way someone, if they were like, if they were good and the rest of their team was bad, the only way they could really shine is to really shit on the rest of their team and mm. really exploit the fact that the rest of them are very bad at improv. Have you seen that happen? Uh, yeah. How has that gone over? Uh, pretty funny. For the crowd, right? But it's, that dynamic for the team can't be good. No, but it's been like a setup with, in, you know what I mean, in class, like playing in class, you know. You join with another team and you guys, you know, you split the class in half, so there's an audience. And then you get, you know, kind of like newer people with more seasoned people. And then you get them together and then, you know, even people that just aren't very good, they'll do something that's weird. They'll do, because people have a hard time being they don't really understand how to just like be a person, yeah. which is the it, that's why people suck at acting. So they'll go into a scene and they'll do something like very strange, and the person who is good will just react as if someone did something very strange in real life. Like someone will be attracted to, someone will think somebody will steal something. What was it? Oh man, I don't want to reference something specific, but something will someone will do something weird, and someone will be like, "Well, that's a weird thing to do." And that is funny because you're mm. making fun of the person saying like, you made a mistake. Oh, you did yeah, something dumb. You did something no one would ever do. So the way I'm going to react to it is to like call it out and be like, you did something dumb that humans don't do. Okay. And that can be funny. So, I mean, it's possible is all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. But rare. But that can't carry. No, it doesn't do that have every longevity. Show. No. Uh, do people get called out for not being funny in improv yeah well in the sense of like this person's consistently not funny yeah would io or whomever be like this isn't working i think it would be up to your team because and i've seen this i've seen like i'm gonna say no i don't think it happens a lot because like i said i've seen a lot of teams where i'm like okay you have like a regular i'm like just shitting on I mean, the random people. I'm not saying any names, but I've seen people where it's like, okay, your team has a regular show. They're here every whatever day of the week, but there's like two people in it that just kind of like are along for the ride. 
I don't think people call it out because I think improv is a community of like support and like being being together. It's an ensemble. It's collective. Everyone wants to laugh, and there's that energy to it. There's that like let's all like we're not gonna be like you're cut from the team. Versus stand up has this very competitive nature that I don't think improv improv has. Yeah, but I don't think. I guess it depends on the environment you're in, but I think it's still hard in stand-up to push people out sometimes. Like if really? they're if they're a nice person, but they're not good at it, that's a tough thing. And yeah. some people, it depends. But some people don't want to take that possession of it. You know what I mean? To be like, well, I'm working on my own stuff. What do I care? It's only if somebody's really a problem. Yeah, you don't look at but, it as a community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, that there's that difficult thing of... and it, it, because, See, in stand-up, it's easy to just go away from that. Because it's still all on me to make people laugh, and I can be focused on my own thing. Yeah. Though I might live in a city where I'm part of a community or whatever, Mm -hmm. it was easy for me to still do my own thing while also being whatever. Community. Right. Yeah. But it's it's also easy to just go, well, that person's not doing well at all for the past year and not being funny, but they're still coming out. But I don't really care if they're having fun, fine. But in improv... That's so much more like if that person is on my team, they're attached to what I do, too. So I would think you'd have to have that conversation. Interesting. Yeah. That's just my perception of it. And what was also unappealing to improv to me, too. And it's always been kind of difficult. Like, collaborative efforts are always hard to me because you've got to really be on the same page with the people you're working with, uh, with creativity, you know? Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I, um, improv for me is, especially lately, has just been a way to kind of make friends you mm-hmm. know make funny friends have a place to be sure. um and even like thinking about doing a team and even if i think about it and i'm in a situation like that where there's people that i don't think carry their weight i don't really i'm like okay well and in my head i'm like i wouldn't really care but if i was very serious about the team i'd be like no you gotta go you know because i'm even like doing like doing uh videos like doing sketch videos when i always tell people like when we do them i'm like hey this is like my thing like this is you're in it and i appreciate you being here and doing it um but here's what i need you to do and i need you to do absolutely nothing else right so i do have that sense of if i do take something seriously so if i were you're right i don't take improv seriously and that's why it doesn't bother me to have people in my group that i might not creatively get along with Okay. So that's kind of what I'm... But are you on a path to take it seriously? Like, do you... I am. Yeah, okay. I am. And I mean, more so, I mean, yeah, definitely something I want to get more into and I'm excited about. But for the time being, um, I'm in the low stages and I'm also very self-aware of that. Right. So I'm kind of having fun at this point. I'm not at the point 
because it's a literal like trajectory. You take the classes to you know whatever um, in school you're in. You literally have like one, two, three, four, five, six, and then or whatever, and then you get to the top, and then it's like now it's serious time. Now you've graduated. Now you have a spot or whatever. So yeah, you have the experience. How long does that take? Uh, less than a year, I think, at most places. I've like a really. I've been I've like taken classes all over the place, so I'm kind of more spread out. But again, I'm really just kind of not really looking at the trajectory and looking more at what can I learn, you know, and apply it to like this or doing a video. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely looking to get more serious about it. It's not something you can be incredibly successful at either. Like as a comedian, you can be incredibly successful. But as an improv artist, like you can get acting roles and things, but no one's got a no improv troops got a Netflix special. Yeah, I well, that's a good point. I don't know that. It depends. I think uh, that same UCB group I was talking about had like an IFC show for a couple years. Oh, did they really? Yeah, the Birthday Boys. Birthday Boys, they're really funny. Yeah, they're really yeah. funny. So I saw them before that at a live show. I was just like, these guys are hilarious. Yeah, they're funny. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah, it. It's a good point that you made with that, but at the same time, I think it's difficult either way, stand-up or improv. For sure, yeah. I think, yeah, acting, it just, I think improv gives you, when you're really good at, far more assets in the business and the industry than stand-up does. Because okay. ultimately, they're still going to want you to do something other than stand-up. They're going to make more money off of you yeah. if you develop a show for them or right. something along those lines. So they ultimately, nobody's actively like, oh, I'm so excited to have you do the road a lot. Right. Like, no, unless you have a huge following to be able to do that or, you know, your Chappelle landing a $20 million special or whatever. Yeah. It's not as marketable as it would be. Like, once they're interested in you, it's what can you do to make us money, and that's not stand-up necessarily. And so when you're in the realm of improv, at least you're getting act. At least you're far better at comedy Another acting, thing. right? Or yeah. this, you know, SNL's desire to like. It's not the '90s anymore where they hired a bunch of stand-ups right. to be on the show. It's they're back to doing the Groundlings and Second City and uh, UCB or whatever improv avenues. Yeah. Which is the right way to go. Those are just more skilled sketch comedians, right? Than stand-ups would be. So it's um, it's tough either way. But my vantage point, and I guess that's just me being totally into stand-up for the right. most part, is that I just think there's more versatility if you do have that improv knowledge. In what, I don't know, what people yeah. want out of comedy, I guess, right now. Whether it be audiences or the business itself. Yeah, now I will secede and say I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what people want. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know either, probably. It gets, it's real weird. I mean, comedy is at this, like, obviously there's a lot of opportunities, but it's also weird what gets popular or what people like. It is. Yeah, and it's at a different... I was, 
I was, I've been talking about this with other people too, where, you know, what I grew up comedy wise still were, you know, we might've watched stuff that was on Nickelodeon or whatever kid stuff, yeah. but that was still created and written by adults. Right. And now kids watch YouTube channels and YouTube stars where that's like people their age. Yeah. So that's a totally different like deliverer of comedy. Yeah, you're like right. bypassing a lot of people. And yeah, who yeah. actually have a little bit more maturity that they're placing onto the comedy that's then delivered to you. Right. You know what I mean? So some of the stuff that I watched that was like kids stuff when I was young mm-hmm. was still very important to my comedy development. Because it was written by an adult. Right. It had actual substance of humor to it. Right. Yeah, but now it's being bypassed. It's like comedy for children written by children. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird when I've been... First of all, I don't know most of the YouTube stars. Yeah. But whenever it comes up, I'll be like, okay, let me look at this person's stuff. And it's a lot of the same thing. Like, hey, everybody on YouTube. And it's very fast-paced. Right. And I'm also like, I don't find anything happening here right now funny. Like, there's nothing... I don't understand what is appealing about this person. Right. And they all feel like the same thing. But that's, you know, I mean, I'm sure if I were a teenager now, that would be appealing to me. Yeah. As, you know, Keenan and Cal or all that or whatever was appealing to us when we were that age. But that's a different thing because, again, that was what was distributed and targeted to us right and was still written not by 13 year olds true so it kind of it's just something i'm thinking about in the sense of well what where does what's the comedy mindset what's the next generation look like of people coming to comedy clubs really if there's yeah, a, it's, you know what it's, I mean? it's everything yeah right. it's um i and i don't know that i mean i know when i was 13, 14, I was watching stand-up. So I'm yeah. sure some of them that are interested in comedy do watch stand-up. Uh, so it it's just getting to them via a different avenue than watching on Comedy Central like I did. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just weird when there's at least a portion of it that's getting distributed to them that is written by their age group right which we didn't have no. you know we just had each other as friends that we might laugh at stuff yeah but then we still were interacting with stuff that was again like made distri- by adults right yeah. so there's in certain ways it's like okay as an adult do you really get what they're into right you know but in another way for comedy's sake it's like well at least there's a certain sense of maturity and development to the comedy that we're doing like yeah um like pete and pete i think was a phenomenal show yeah and it was i thought it was hilarious when i was a kid and i watch it now and i still think it's hilarious and i realized like that played a pivotal role in how my mind comedy wise worked yeah and there was such subtle stuff in there that when i was a kid had no like i was like okay whatever and now as an adult i just find hilarious that they included in it right and so that's the kind even spongebob i've felt the same way about yeah in an older 
age watch. It's funny. Yeah. It's kind of like timeless and ageless, really. Right. Yeah. Um, But that, while that stuff I'm sure still exists, it's weird knowing, you know, there's some people with like 30 million subscribers on YouTube and what they're distributing. They're probably far more popular than Pete and Pete was right then uh and they're just distributing stuff that doesn't have that comedic brain to it right really yeah that's that's interesting I just th- it feels like no people hopped up on five hour energy and just no really frenetic. Span. yeah no i agree i think too i think me where i kind of got my uh, sense of humor from and i know this is true i got it from watching um sitcoms like after school mm-hmm. you know at, like 4 30 3 30 something like that right. like fox just runs syndicated sitcoms i didn't have cable so i yeah, just like so. when i was a kid i never watched like i didn't really watch cartoons i think i watched like a couple different ones but like most of my sense of humor was like third rock from the sun roseanne frazier like that's where mine was derived from. And I think whatever this is, whatever I'm doing now, whatever I'm doing on any sort of stage or in conversation is a derivative, not from Rugrats, <laughs> not from, you know, uh, whatever, all Dog. that. I didn't have cable. I didn't have any of that shit. So it's just like I had to, it's like cheers, man. Yeah. You know? So, and I, I think I'm grateful for it. So I, I agree what you're saying. I think a lot of kids now are just. Yeah, I just don't, I guess, I just don't know, because I'm not, I don't have the pulse on enough, you know, 8 to 16 year olds to know, you know, I'm sure some of them, (laughs) some of them watch Modern Family or whatever, I'm sure that sitcom presence is there, but, you know, for you or me, yeah, there were only certain options, and that's what you watched and those were had a certain at least standard if not in cheers's case like oh this is stuff adults really enjoy too yeah as opposed to now where there are like so many options and maybe the most popular options are just youtube stuff which is just a different kind of comedy experience yeah yeah Different things, man. You can like, like even, I think about memes, man. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm big. Like, I'm so into memes, dude. You are. I I mean, just the <laughs> dumbest stuff. <laughs> and I've real I I don't know, dude. I'll like sit on the toilet and just like look at some memes on Instagram, <laughs> and I realize that I've realized this a lot, like. I'll laugh so hard at these memes and then I'll flip through and they'll be referencing like when you study in and you try to do this. Oh, right. And it's like, study in? And I'm like, these memes are written for high schoolers. Right. But they are killing me. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I'm not trying to be like, I'm so highbrow, like I was raised on Roseanne or whatever. But right. like, I mean, I different stuff, whatever makes you laugh, man. Sure. Memes yeah, crush some, me, dude. <laughs> I mean, some of it is funny, for sure. I don't do political memes work on you. I think oh, those no. are the most useless I don't. I don't thing. do politics. 
what's that matter of doing it? It's like it exists, and I'm confused as to who would be like, wow, this meme changed my mind. Oh. You know what I mean? No. You got to expand on that. Oh, so there, I mean, there's so many memes now that right. have a political angle to them. Ooh, okay. And I'm just confused. Like, you know, it's like a bumper sticker, right? Right. So bumper stickers, yeah, if it's there and it's funny, you go, ah, it's funny. Yeah. But when it's, you know, abortion stops a beating heart, yeah. you go, okay. You know, like, I've already decided my perspective on this. Right. Regardless of what you're doing. So now it is like memes are bumper stickers, of the internet and i don't understand really why people share ones about politics because it's not changing anybody's mind to me is the message to be funny or is the message to change minds i think it's to change minds it's not they're not comedic no they're not comedic i'm talking i'm just talking about general beat it dude yeah, but this is what the meme has become. It's like everything. Really? Yeah. You think memes it's not have just... become all sorts of whatever sort of message you're trying to get across? Oh, yeah, totally. That's it, dude. Even the, yeah, like a lot of the supposed Russian interference in the election involved memes. Oh, really? Just, like yeah, Pepe the Frog or whatever? Yeah, I don't know what they were doing, but wow. yeah, and not even necessarily factual stuff, obviously. Or just like messages propagated through memes. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's man. I did a college uh, like a four hundred one class research paper on memes. Really. Back in like twenty eleven, man. And I was very much. I, I I don't know. I thought I definitely my thesis was that the, whatever this was, these like literal the actual memes back when it was the same font and it was a picture. Yes. Um, and what they meant to culture and how like it could really unify people to understand the same thing and believe the same things about a lot of stuff. That's crazy, man. It's crazy to me that you could be affected by it in any way. It's it's You're fine to laugh. everything though. It's fine to laugh at it. Yeah. But it's weird to me to think that it's anything that could, like I said, sway your mind or confirm. Like, even if somebody puts a bumper sticker of something that I agree with, yeah, I don't go like, yeah. Like, I just, okay. You, you sure you don't? No, I don't. It's just, and I don't when it comes to whatever people are putting out meme-wise that I flow through on my newsfeed. That might just be me. I, th- I definitely okay. don't think I fit whatever is going on right now with how people react to social media mm-hmm. or to bumper stickers or whatever. But I think it is weird how people are reacting to it either way. I think it's fine to laugh at a meme like you're doing. Yeah. I think it's weird to share 50 memes a day because you think that's going to do something. Yeah, absolutely. If they're... If I do something like that, if I share a meme or something or send it to a friend, it's for the sole purpose of like, I want you to experience joy right now. Right. Fuck. Right. Yeah. Not, I want you to vote in the midterm elections. Yeah. Yeah, Something. (laughs) Like call your congressman or something. Whatever it might be. Yeah. But it, 
I don't know if it it it, it clearly ha- may have an effect on some people in some way, but I think it's having an effect because so many people are now doing it. Like this yeah. is a part of the thought process now mm-hmm. that memes or just any link and the the you know clickbait title yes has an effect uh, it does where people don't they just read the title right and that's why titles are all messed up now too where you could have a title and then you actually click and you read the article and it has very little to do with what that title was about okay um uh, what i'll say coming from a guy who is i'm very impressionable but i'm also very aware that i'm very impressionable but I'll see things like that. Let's say I see something on like Aziz Ansari. Okay. Like I see this article and it's like why the Aziz case is detrimental to all women. and dis- You know what I mean? Like something like anti-Aziz. <laughs> it's okay. a really long title. Yeah. yeah. All right. I see an article like that. I automatically, even though I know where I stand on it. I know where I stand on the issue. I know the story. I've read up on it. I still feel the effects of just reading that title that was very, um, you know, just put Aziz in a poor light. I still, it still kind of like affects me, mm-hmm. even though I know exactly how I feel. So I think a lot of people who are even more impressionable than me and know less information, when they see that title, they're like, Aziz is a bad guy. Right, right. You know? Yeah, you definitely can see. Because it's the the matter of, oh, I read this title, ugh, I'm mad. Yeah. Then I shared it. I mean, people share stuff they clearly didn't even like read oh, absolutely. what's in the article. They just saw the title. It, you know, it's like the equivalent of stabbing them. Mm-hmm. It got them, and they're mad now. Right. You know, um, and that's, I don't know, I mean, it's not the way to acquire information or to to deal with your emotions properly. No. But it's it's becoming the standard, and that's what's weird. Yeah, it's, uh, it is weird. It's a weird time, because now it's like, you used to be, it's hard because you used to be able to, like, slap a woman's ass and be like, that was a nice ass to slap. What a great time we're having. You slapped this woman's ass, too. And it was, there was a time. This is a weird example, but go ahead. I mean, (laughs) this is the ultimate, like, whatever, what was, um, like, Dustin Hoffman. Like, he basically, there was a time where it was, like, you could, it was fine and understood to treat women like just, like, asses that you could slap. Just, like, sex objects. There was a time where that was, like, a thing you could do, and that was fine to treat women like objects, you know. Okay. But now it's it's different, and like people will we're correcting it, and it's getting better. Okay. So we're coming out of it. We're like figuring it out, and we're saying, okay, hey, times were really fucked up before, where we weren't tr- treating women like human beings. Let's correct that. So then we we take care of it. We expose the people who were um, who were doing this, you know, who we loved, and we say, "Hey, these people were monsters back then. Let's, you know, rectify all these people who were treated like objects." But then we throw in people. We throw in other people who don't deserve this. 
you know so we have this really egregious shit that people used to do and then we throw them into the pile with people who may have done skeezy stuff do you know what i'm saying yeah but i'm not connecting it to what we were we've been talking about i'm saying like you see an article with aziz ansari okay and you see like him looking sad okay him looking sad and then (laughs) them saying aziz uh sexually okay i see what you're saying so So, then you're making the leap to then lumping him in with with everything right right right. yeah and that's a problem with what's happening with a lot of things yeah but with that example i mean that man that that story and it might be that we're comedians too had just so much reaction that after the first day i was just like i've had enough like i don't want to i didn't read into it a lot and everybody had their own opinion and so many people were writing stuff about it Right. That I only really read the Atlantic's first op-ed, which I just thought was extremely poorly written. Okay. Just as an op-ed in general. Not that I, I mean, I didn't agree with her perspective either, but it it annoyed me because she was giving an opinion before Aziz Ansari even made a statement. Right. Which is also where we're at at this time, that something comes out and already people are giving opinions before the whole the whole story arc or right. news arc has really fully finished uh which is a problem to me and then i just thought it was really poorly written and so that was the extent to what i interacted with it was only in the first day mm-hmm. i didn't even want to read all the sordid details or whatever i was you didn't just there's enough information yeah it was clearly like a really mushy situation from the get-go um you know first the source which i'm like i've never heard of this website okay you know that did the article uh to then on top of it just was like this is a bad date and then it it just the i in what i read of that article i'm like there are problems in the way this was written again in the same way that op-ed i had problems with yeah so that's never good like when it's a really serious topic or really any topic as a journalist there's a responsibility to that right and the manner in which it was written had problems to it you know and so but then everybody was reacting to it obviously because he's a very high profile person yeah this is a high profile subject Mm -hmm. and i just kind of had enough after a day and i'm like you know it'll resolve in whatever way it will right it's different it's different than what louis was because louis came out in the new york times with multiple women like there was a lot taken into that story right before releasing it we knew a lot more information yeah they did their jobs as journalists and there were multiple women who were affected by it um so but yeah to get back to what we were talking about it's easy for people to now just be affected and then emotionally react immediately yep and that's not healthy no whatever whatever we, we could be talking about i mean i just you know what i i'm i don't want to say lucky i mean i'm just i'm who i am and i don't think i'm somebody who whatever i put out there really is anything that 
controversial or worthy of commenting about or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with Facebook, it's weird. Like anything I put out is just for the nature of comedy or positive. Mm -hmm. But there was definitely a time where I would get anxiety about stuff I'd post. Right. Because I was just like, I don't know how somebody's going to comment. Right. And then people might start fighting with each other or whatever. And it's just like, this is just a joke that hopefully you get. And I'm just trying to have fun here and make your day feel better. But yeah, things have changed so much that, you know, and like I said, whoever my friends on Facebook for the most part are either anywhere from people I know very well to like, okay, this is a comedian I met one time. Right. So you would think, you know, I haven't just accepted everybody so that all of a sudden you're just getting people you don't even know commenting on your stuff. Yeah. Like I see some other comedians have to deal with. But it's just, it's weird. It's weird what anybody could say could start a whole ray of problems, array of problems. Yeah. And now you have to deal with it. Do you though? You don't, but it's still like, it's still like all I want to do is, if in your mind says like, all I want to do is put this positive thing out there that's funny. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, putting out fires or, or fires are happening. Um, but I mean, in my case, that's just never really happened, but it's not ever been something that doesn't concern me. Right. You always with think the amount of personalities you, yeah. that I'm friends with. Yeah. You know? It crosses your mind before you do anything. Yeah. And that's like, which is another weird thing that I also don't think that type of stuff crosses people's minds now. I think they're more willing to post whatever or comment in whatever way. I'd say they also Facebook, could be looking for like, it. Sure. I mean, like, a ma- I, yeah, a majority of the comments yeah. I get on Facebook, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who asks for help or on someone or asks questions that lead to comments. You know, when that happens, okay, it's productive. Yeah. Very rarely do I do that. But people who comment on, like, usually it's like, okay, you just said like laugh out loud or something right or you know it's not like you're starting a conversation here yeah you're just kind of reaffirming what the like button does anyway yeah so now i'm wondering like why you commented so now it's like i think you're just a very comment heavy type of person yeah or sometimes people comment where i'm like i don't think you read this like when it's my tumblr posts i'm like you didn't read this appropriately. Like now I'm just worried about how you read stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, I imagine that happens a lot. People just, you know, reading, doing the same thing, reading you write a blog post. Right. People read the title, see the image. Yeah, that's it. Then they comment. Yeah. They say, here's how I feel about this. Yeah. What did, how much of your, like of what you had to say did they consume like two percent right here's my thought on that two percent that i was exposed to right or you see people comment like not in my stuff necessarily but anything that comes out is all of a sudden comments people reacting in the comments field to each other towards right the title really something that comes down that yeah yeah I don't have that hostility. I don't know about you, but no, I don't have I just, that. Yeah, I don't. So I went to school at Miami, 
university. Yeah. So it's leans conservative. Yeah, Miami and Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, Oxford. And, yep. Yeah. And I and I was there when the Iraq war started. Uh-huh. And I wasn't I was against the war and so I f- found myself obviously in conversations with people who were for the war, right wing, whatever. They were my friends. Right. But it just got to a point where I'm like, you're still a good person and we get along well and we're friends that that's all I want. Like, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore because we're not changing each other. Nope. And so I think that was the, a weirdly good thing to going to a school that didn't necessarily match who I am. Yeah. Was I kind of got a better understanding of how I wanted to talk about politics or how to deal with people that were different than me. Yes. And I understood that at like 18, 19. So now, at like 33, on social media with the way it is, I'm just yeah. like, there are a lot of people I just don't even need to interact with. Who are and, still good people. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, ju- I think social media is making good people crazy, yeah. too, in the way. I think there's a... I've seen people I'm friends with who in person are very distinctly different than how they are on social media. Yeah. Because social media has affected them, Facebook in particular, in some way that they must have their opinions out there, must comment, you know, want to get into these, you know, conversations that amount to nothing, really, in the end. Right. So, yeah, man, I don't know. It's... we're of the same thing. Like, I just, I don't have the time or interest to really, I don't comment much on anything. And I think that's kind of weird. Like, I only comment on people's stuff that I'm close to, and it would just be in a funny way. Same. Or, you know, if you really need something that I'm knowledgeable on, then I'll comment to be helpful. That's it. Yeah. Um, I don't have an interest in getting into... Some discussion or debate well, over anything, really, dude. Same. In a lot What's of ways, it's just gained? yeah. In a lot of ways, it's just going to end up like, all right, I'm going to get a bunch of notifications with people right. you're friends with that I don't know. Yeah, and I don't want to talk to these people because they're probably going to write some dumb stuff, and I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. It's just like, you're going to write some dumb stuff that I don't want to deal with, and I don't even know if you believe, and we're not going to, like, you're not interested in learning. You know? Once something becomes emotional, two people are just, like, not interested in hearing the other person out and, like, hearing if they have anything that maybe may affect your opinion. Once you become emotional about it, it's like, look, we're not listening to each other you know and like on facebook i feel like i'm not commenting i don't like you're not in the business of learning nor am i right now a lot of people just need to do what we're doing right now they don't have to record it but just have (laughs) a conversation with people in front of them yeah and that to me is more valuable than anything and yeah. it's also the reason why I still think live shows are great. Like, I don't think, to kind of echo back to what we might have been talking about before, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that 
a new generation won't interact with stand-up or go to live shows. I think there's still a great appeal and value to live comedy and live experiences. People still want that. Yeah, for sure. That's why they, you know, even if they really like a YouTube star, they're like, yeah, I want to go see that person live. You know what I mean? It's still there. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, And in that same way, I think that's what's good in, okay, well, that's the best way to interact and learn from other people is to, or connect with people is really to have them right in front of you and have a real conversation with them. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I, the inner, like the internet and social media are great for a lot of reasons. And when utilized for the positives, it's fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of ways where it's helped me comedy wise or a lot of other things, but there's so much about it that it's like, God, we're utilizing this in not the best ways. Right. But it's also still such a relatively new thing. Right. That we're all wrapping our heads around. Yeah. I think especially now it's kind of like, it's going to be interesting with like the way everyone has an online presence and the way the chips are going to fall with that. Because right now I think it's incredibly skewed to the fact that um, everyone has a voice. It's it's skewed to the fact that loud people, people with a lot of mm-hmm. internet uh, volume uh, are heard. And that volume and that sentiment that they're saying is heard by a lot of people and then affecting them yeah affecting the world and everyone that sees it right so it is it's it's a good thing but there's something that's going to happen where all of a sudden when we see an aziz ansari article we're gonna we're gonna see it flash by us on our facebook feed or instagram feed whatever and we're gonna be like okay i that's cool but like Let's figure out what the story is. I'm not going to form an opinion until I do my research. Right, but I don't know how many people are like researching anymore. I I brought this up the other night, too. Because I still research, like, like, if I'm writing a joke and there's stuff to it that involves research, I want the joke to have factual accuracy. Yeah. So I still do that. I've been doing that for as long as I've done stand-up. But I don't know how much a lot of other people in comedy are doing that anymore or if anyone even cares because look at where we're at right now Mm -hmm. online even with with actual news and facts. I've always felt that with comedy, you know, I have this opportunity to be on stage and to speak to people that there's a responsibility with that. Yeah. Which I think we talked about the last I time. I think so, yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like, well, if I'm going to say this stuff on stage about whatever, it should be factually accurate. Right. I should have taken my effort to research and share that with all of you. Right. But now it's like, I don't know if anybody in this audience even like researches based off the crap they read in their newsfeed every day you know yeah so it's it's a weird time even for that yeah i don't know i think definitely give people the benefit of the doubt 
anyone. Give people the benefit of the doubt until you actually do your homework and form your opinion. I think be forgiving and understand that people might be wrong. People might be misinformed. I don't know. I just think this is now totally just me talking about myself. But but maybe it circles back to how we started <laughs> it's all in good. comedy. Talk I don't know. You're the guest, dude. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> like the fundamentals of who I am and how I have done comedy and why I do comedy feels so different than what the current environment of comedy and society and just the way it's distributed is. Yeah. My point is, okay, make sure what you say on stage is factually accurate. Uh, You know, work hard. It'll take some time to develop everything. You know, keep your mouth shut, you know, until you've earned your ability to to be more vocal. I mean, like something like, I didn't write that Tumblr like, the first year I did comedy, it, yeah. it took me nine years and all the experiences I had to feel comfortable to write, start writing that type of stuff. Yeah. And it was only because people were like, the first couple essays I wrote, which were on Facebook, people were <laughs> just like, wow, this was really good. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I might as well finally write in a Tumblr. And it just kept getting responses. And that's the only reason I keep writing in it when yeah. I feel the need. Um, but again, that's a whole other thing too of like, I know I could get more likes and more views and more eyeballs on it if I just wrote stuff out on Facebook every day. Yeah. But that's not what I want. I'm doing a deeper dive into something. Right. And the people that I want to read it, I want to click on it and read it. But yeah. even the click takes a lot out of another person. And mm-hmm. kind of to echo what you said before too, I just, it is the louder, the better right now. And that's not my personality. That's not the way I've ever really been. Right. I've been about, I, I will distribute stuff to you, but when I do, it better be really good and it better have a a good point to it and something I'm proud of or whatever, as opposed to now it's like, Hey, here, I, I mean, there's people like, even on Facebook, where I'm like, yeah. man, you're posting so much yeah. that I don't, maybe that w- works, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. it does work for now, that maybe that's what people want, right. is lots of posts from people. They want emotional responses. Yeah, that's not that's what, not what your articles about. are. <laughs> your articles aren't emotional responses. Yeah, not necessarily. Well, I mean, I think, because, like, your emotional responses, think about all your articles that you've written, right? right? Think about like maybe the emotional response that triggered them and think about what the Facebook post would have been like versus what's the like actual blog article you have now, which is very, you know, thought out and calmer. Right. But I think what plays now, emotional responses. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I don't, that's not me. And I, that's not what I want to distribute. And I don't know. You'll never be successful. No, I probably won't. And it's okay, but I'm still me. Or I, <laughs> Yeah, that's I've how seen, I feel. I've seen people still do it or whatever. It could still happen. Yeah, for sure. But I'd rather still be me and it happen or not happen. Right? Dude, that's... But... Yeah, I, same. 
but it is still wild to especially even just like the stuff within comedy that's so insular to comedy like even what we started talking about if somebody just starts getting angry about hosting or whatever like the stuff i'd mentioned to you now like we're just talking now and I'm now mm-hmm. 11 years into doing comedy yeah. and I'm great at that club and I feel fine talking about it. But imagine if I was like a year in and that's what people year in do now is like they get onto a podcast, complain about their local club right. or whatever. And I understood it from then and knew what I had to do. And I never had the confidence even to be like, I'm going to get real mad and, share that on the internet yeah, with dude, everybody forever. you know yeah it's just such a different approach uh mentally to how people are doing stuff that's really it's just very it doesn't match up yeah with who, who i am or why i do this so it's really odd mm-hmm. um i don't know that i don't know what i'm saying now at this point it's just no i get what you're it's saying it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about. Yeah, no, nah, I know too. But I think what, like, to go back to what you said, I think same thing with me. I'm, I'm confident with who I am and what I do and what I want to do. Um, and ultimately, like, I don't want short-lived notoriety, which I think is what emotional responses end up cultivating. Because me, I'm like, you know, I'd rather just kind of do what I want and yeah. say what I want. And if people, you know, if people click through your articles and then I'm sure you get people like hitting you up, like direct messaging you and saying, hey, here's what I think about what you said. Same thing that happens with me with the podcast. People hit me up and they say, here's how I think. I appreciated this. I didn't appreciate this that's where I'm like, oh, that's why I do this. Mm-hmm. So for this. For someone to hear it yeah. and say something about it, you know? Yeah, sure. So. But I, you know the key, like you said, the emotional response, you know that's the key to doing. So I think the environment now is weird where, yeah, if you're loud, That'll help you. Right. And the more political, the better, which is weird to me in comedy because I'm exhausted by it. Yeah. But, and I wrote about this, it's just a lot of people are doing it and I don't think it's doing anything. No. I agree. So what does that mean for comedy? I guess... What I wrote was that after one year, Trump is winning over comedy. Definitely. Like comedy hasn't taken him down. or He's here. Yeah, there's that. And, and also, I just here. don't think there's been like, I mean, there's been funny stuff, but there's nothing really great that's thrown him off in no. any way. Um, He's unshakable. In that sense of, I mean, did you listen to the Malcolm Gladwell, the Revisionist History podcast? Of, about. He did one on satire. Yeah, yeah. 
that yeah, one that's it's great right that one to me if you if anyone listening hasn't listened to it that one to me was like yeah comedy isn't effective <laughs> in making change at it, all yeah that was a really important podcast episode yeah to listen to for me too and it's not it's fine like that should exist and be out there and you know colbert's still great Mm -hmm. whatever the underlying purpose might be might not be effective but i have a bigger problem with like everybody's trying to do colbert not him specifically, but like the subject matter. Okay. It's all so much centered around Trump now. Right. That it's like, this isn't anything special. No. Like comedy doesn't feel special now. No. In any way. And in fact. Obvious. Yeah. And in fact, like you've done nothing as comedians to, to, to supplant, to do anything with the guy. Right. Uh, so what are you doing? Like, right. what's your underlying point? And that's what I was talking about. I said there were, you know, I was having a conversation with my friend about it, and that's what really started what I wrote, and I referenced him in it. But we used, like, Rob Delaney as an example of just, here's a dude who has so many Twitter followers, right? And he's already proven he's funny, he's got mm-hmm. all these followers. And then now he uses his Twitter to, you know, post meaningful articles or to say here's what you can do to make change yeah exactly as opposed to like a mountain of other comedians who do have a lot of followers who are just like making jokes or doing you know there's a there's all these little things on twitter people do that are just very formulaic now all related to trump where it's like, even today with the whole Stormy Daniels thing, where somebody will just write, imagine if another president did this. You know, yeah. there's this whole imagine if concept to Trump because yeah. Trump's gotten away with so much that, that it then gets compared to Obama or whomever. And it's like, how is that helping anything? Right. Now, over a year later. I mean, people are still, like, if you're opposing Trump, you're doing a lot of crap like he does too. Like he sits around and still references Clinton and Obama, Mm -hmm. but you still also bring that crap up sometimes to like attack him. So you're not like, there's a lot of people out there that I think are no better in how they're approaching and opposing him than his supporters are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it is like, are you going to post something and make it up? Are you really trying to make it about greater good? Are you trying to make it about yourself? Yeah, that's a problem, too. Yeah. So you post something very formulaic, like, can you believe Trump? How many Trump jokes are there? 10 million. You make it, you're like, I'm going to look at Trump. I'm going to try to mine him for a joke, a tweet, whatever. You try to mine it for that you know, gratification on your end rather than mine something he's doing and actually trying to make social change for all of us, not just yourself. Yeah. Which, that's why I don't really, I don't fuck with politics. 
Yeah, it's probably for the best. It's weird. It's a weird thing because you want to have knowledge and you want to be a citizen and play. At least that's my perspective and play a role. But I think it's gone so off the rails in a variety of ways that it makes that type of stuff difficult. Like you still have to look out for your own well-being. So your own well-being is probably not healthy with how people are interacting with politics right now. That's yeah. the problem. Right. Um, but yeah, to mention, I mean, there, there are Twitter accounts like that always are at the top of like Trump's comments, like whatever he tweets. And those people are just... Like, like, I don't even know, like, your whole purpose appears to be to comment solely with the same crap on the president's, like, you've made 300,000 followers or right. whatever, out of just commenting about how Trump is a traitor or the worst president or whatever ends up populating You're a parasite. At the top response. Yeah. And you're it's a parasite. Just, yeah. It's just that I don't see how you're helping. But this is what. But those people got a lot of followers and a lot of likes too, by just, again, like you said, just being loud, and just they're not really doing anything. Oh, but they're making money. Probably they're probably sure. monetizing that. Yeah, and dude, respect. It's part of like the whole system. It's part of the parasite, the game. And to me, I'm like, dude. Respect to that guy that's leeching on to every one of Trump's tweets and commenting on it and people are following it. It's all part of that system. And he's making money. He's figured out his, you know, his hustle. But is it making change? Is he trying to make change? Or is he just trying to, like, is he on his own grind? There's no way. Well, I don't know what goes on in his brain that he would think this is making change. I've got, I would hope, I would hope for the other that he's like, well, I can make money doing this and good. Long live Trump. But yeah, but you can't really, you know, you can't get really mad at the other side when you're doing the same stuff. Yes. Is my point. That's because there's other people on the other side doing the same crap with and making money. That's what I think. There's this interesting thing where it's this like people are very similar, but they're on two different sides of a fence. Like very like religious zealots. I always find funny or people that are like Ohio State, Michigan, (laughs) people that are very like anti the other. A lot of times those people, let's say, you know, you you meet an Ohio State guy who's like, fuck Michigan. I hate Michigan. Wolverines suck. Eat my dick. There's another guy that he'd probably get along with really well that's like, Ohio State sucks, Buckeyes are assholes, suck my dick. Same dudes. Probably could get along really well. They're both zealots for their team. But in reality, it's like, they just like, you're an asshole. It's like, man, you guys would really get along. Yeah. Because they don't understand, like, the broader picture. Right. Like someone that's doing this, you know, benefiting from Trump's presidency and Trump's Twitter account. Probably is still deluded into believing that he's making change when in reality he's making money from, you know, he's kind of biting the hand that feeds, but it works, you know. Right. 
whatever. Do you? <laughs> That's how I feel, you know. Yeah, it's fine, but it it's it's still having an effect on other people. Yeah, who have the right to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, it's like, well, how much self respect do you have or what are you... I don't know, man. It's just it's yeah. not something like that's the toughest part is that uh I think there are a lot of people out there that care and that wanna have an impact and that can see this and see it as a problem, but also like putting yourself into it then ends up with you you're now a part of it. Right. And so I think that's I mean, that's long been the problem with getting people to run for political office. Cause like, right. Well, now I'm in politics. Right. So now I've become one of these people and part play of the this game. system. Yeah. yeah. And that, that'll destroy a good person pretty quickly who had the right, you know, motivations the right that originally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. That's what's funny. It's the, oh man, I forget whose quote it is, but it's the uh, throw your body on the gears thing. I don't know if it was, but that's what, Ultimately, if you want, if things need change, if things like are desperately, you know, if people really need something, they'll throw their body on the gears. You know, they'll really fuck shit up. They'll really do damage. They'll really risk going to jail. They'll really risk their lives to make change for the positive good. You know, example like, I don't know if you saw the post, but there's a guy who informed, you know, informed the the Washington Post about the Vietnam War and the, all the deaths. And him throwing his body on the gears, basically, people would know it was him that leaked the information. And him saying, well, I need to, it's a revolt. So he's saying, you know what? I'm going to jail. But people, like young boys' lives are being saved. I'm going to throw my, it it takes sacrifice, but you kind of getting into politics. It's like, welcome to politics. Now you're part of the game. Right. You're not, you're not revolting. Yeah. Take sacrifice is all I'm saying. That's how I feel. All right, man. Yeah, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, dude, you got to get out of my apartment. Yeah. You probably got to edit some stuff. Nah, dude. I'm gonna release this tomorrow morning. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. This is good. How long was this? Oh man. I always get. I don't know, cause I'm pretty particular about like. Oh, you could edit it or make it tighter. So I always feel bad if it's like, way too long. Oh, dude. But that's your call. It's your podcast. Yeah. No, dude. It's good. Okay. I mean, if there's substance the whole way through, it's. Yeah, as long as people listen. Yeah. Exactly. What do you got to plug, man? What's what's happening with you? Oh, Your I'll actual say comedian. Ch- yeah, I'll just say, just check out the website, sumukcomedy.com, S-U-M-U-K-H, comedy.com. I'm putting out more YouTube videos now. What's the YouTube just, channel? I don't know, just look up my name. Okay. Uh, there's no backslash whatever. Sumukcomedy.com. Uh, but I started, I had done this in Columbus, and now I'm doing it more out here. I do these like fix it videos that are just comedy oriented for like mid 20 dudes right yeah yeah, yeah. 
but it's I'm enjoying it and they're only two to three minutes long it's not a bad thing and so I'm keeping up with that too on top of just stand up whenever I can nice and the writing the stuff on uh essays if people are up for reading that yeah and we'll see where it goes. Who What's knows? that? I might be doing improv next week. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing we'll start a team, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's samukdrigalkar.com? No, samukcomedy.com. Samukcomedy.com. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Samuk.com I tried to buy, but it was like $1,000. So somebody yeah. grabbed a hold of that. Is Samuk a and common I, Indian? No. And so I think whoever got it was smart enough to know hey, somebody with this name is probably going to want this. And I was just like, I'm not. You know, this was three or four years into me doing comedy. I'm like, I can't afford or validate this. Yeah. So I just added comedy, which is a lot easier than Torque Alcar, you know? Oh, for sure. So, and then I just ran with that. You know, I never feel great that comedy is in my name or website. Some, yeah, but it works. fine, it works. Yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah. All it involves is people remembering my first name. And, yeah. And that, that helps, too, with Google or whatever, because uh, there's not a lot of other Samooks out there doing anything, at least. So. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get joeybertoff.com. Oh, yeah? Yeah, nice. dude. Um, How's that going? Dude, I got it. I got their hey. stuff on there. Yeah, there's cool. me doing comedy. Good. I got my dates on there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to update it, actually. Um yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah. You're good? You got everything plugged? Yeah, that's good now. People listen to this now. Oh, good. It's weird, man. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. I don't, well, I, and this was very comedy heavy, which hopefully was okay. Dude, whatever it is, people will listen. Okay. It's bizarre, man. I don't even, like, I used to be really heavy into promoting it and, like, Facebook ads and all that, but now I just kind of, like, started focusing on the videos and I was like, oh, I want to do the podcast, but like people, I don't even know. A lot of people listen to this thing, man. It's great. It's again, it's, it's the benefit of the internet. It's so it strange. Like you just put it out there and it's, you just don't know who's going to interact with it. Yeah. In some cases it's, you know, a negative when it comes to like comments, people go mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's positive and people reaching out to me about, like I said, that's the only reason I keep writing those essays. Yeah. Is because I've gotten emails from people like, this was great, yeah. helpful. I'm like, I don't even know you. I don't know how you encountered this. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Make stuff, put it on the internet, connect, connects the world, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get the, if you don't again. learn anything, get the internet. Yeah. The internet. <laughs> So it was a plug for the internet. All right. Say goodbye to everyone. All right. Goodbye. All right. Later.